0: Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility and new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club/lfs. That's K-A-F-F-E-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F -f 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 of Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now, let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Veer, Commercial Director at Minor Figures, a plant based, 100% vegan, carbon neutral, alt milk company. If you take oat milk in your flat white, you've likely tried Minor Figures at some point, even if you weren't aware of the brand. It's a barista favourite. Minor Figures is in a huge growth phase, over doubling its team size in the last 18 months, and it's now available in over 20 countries globally. It's got a fiercely loyal audience, and I'm a big fan, hoping that their great refill stations will make it to my neighborhood soon. Ben's previous experience spans Mars, Bear Nibbles, Emily's Crisps, and Babby's, which previous podcast guest Tom Hardy worked on the brand redesign of. In short, he's a seasoned challenger Brand Pro. So without further ado, over to Ben. So Ben um, at Minor Figures, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Caffeine Podcast. I'm really thrilled to be able to speak to you. Thanks for sparing the time.
1: Uh, Thanks so much for having me on.
0: So I just wanted to run through some uh, questions that we kind of roughly discussed uh, offline about being in an early stage ambitious brand like minor figures and what that means in terms of brand and brand design and the partners that you work with Um, but of course we can deviate off from that if other topics come up that you want to chat through Uh, so just as a kickoff you're a carbon neutral brand and of course this is a growing and much needed trend i know many of the brand design agencies that um, both my clients and listeners to this podcast are keen to hear how this has affected your choice of suppliers and the agencies that you work with. Can you share anything on how you're, you're dealing with this?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, You know, coffee is a very emotive and complex subject when it comes to sustainability, carbon neutrality. There are some brilliant brands doing work in this space, but also in similar spaces. Tony's Chocolonia are constantly in the news and, and, you know, the the, the chocolate supply chain is as equally complex as coffee. Um, Minor figures really is... Is a coffee business. We we don't call ourselves actually a dairy alternative business or, or a or a milk business or a plant alt business. We we really are a coffee business. We started out making cold brew coffee, bringing that to the UK in in uh, 2014. When really at the time, the the only iced coffees uh, that you could get in stores were products that were kind of made by big. Uh, sort of Goliath uh, dairies who wanted to extend their product range, add some flavoring and add some extra products onto the shelf. And it, it was pretty commoditized and low cost. So, um, some minor figures wanted to bring the, the kind of cold brew that you'd find in Tokyo or LA to the UK market with mixed success, because our climate perhaps isn't as, uh, as uh, good as LA and um, and it wasn't really until 2017, so a couple of years later, that we changed the range to take dairy out of our, of our cold coffee cans and put a dairy alternative in. And that was probably our first nod towards sustainability. And um, it was because our, our founders had changed their own dietary kind of preferences. So yeah, we engineered this oat milk for, um, f- for coffee to complement coffee. Uh and that's kind of when our business took off in 2017. So since then we we've been really passionate about sustainability, but perhaps not had the know-how or the, the funds to do um to, to do uh, to realise our vision and do exactly what we wanted. So we became carbon neutral in October last year, 2020. Still feels weird thinking we're in 2021. Where did 2020 go? Um we became carbon neutral then, which meant we offset absolutely everything. So that's everything from production of the product, the packaging, even calculating the business trips and meetings that members of the team had taken by car, by train, by plane, uh, and offsetting those all the way back to 2018. Wow, yeah, and so that that plays a really important sort of north star in guiding how we act as a business, and sort of as you alluded to, be it suppliers we work with and making sure that they um, they are like minded, um, and whether that's a packaging company or that's a design agency or a PR agency, uh, we we very much want to work with like minded folk. Um, there's there's a real sort of language and code built into the brand which is about really rejecting a lot of um a lot of the kind of category norms uh, that you you would think are the sort of playbook to being a brand in this space so um so yeah i, f- I feel we we uh, as a team as a as a group of people at Minor figures we are pretty sick of being sold to and there's a lot of fatigue around um you know, opening up Instagram or, uh, doing a search on Google or whatever it might walking down the street, even that there's so much fatigue and just being bombarded with messaging and being, being sold at That we kind of, yeah, we wanted to reject that. And so hopefully that's pretty clear in the packaging and the design we have. It's, it's got a sort of sense of harmony and balance to it. And it's quite stripped back and that's all very intentional. Um, A lot of that's done in-house so we've got two really great designers that sort of steer the, the the business aesthetic um we've got a sort of brilliant brand team uh and and we we work with a chap called andrew ray who's a who's our illustrator um he's really worth checking out he's done some wacky stuff from album covers through to well, oat milk designs and and everything in between. um, Is he the
0: gentleman responsible for, I don't know what she's called, chick lady? Duck lady?
1: she's called penny so okay um, sorry <laughs> so they're, they're, um all of our packs have a character on them there is a backstory to the character which when we don't sort of create films about or write in any great depth about.
0: i have looked
1: yeah because the brand's a lot about self-interpretation you know people yeah. look at those characters and say that looks like me or you know i've got a neighbor that looks like penny or whatever and and um, it's built this kind of cult following where we, we're sent pictures every day, but by the by, by the probably hundred um, of people uh, <laughs> posing, looking like the characters, or thinking they're the characters, or uh, people even getting tattoos of the characters. We get a lot of tattoos. I think about twenty a month uh, at peak um, of people around the globe. Um, but the other thing that's been really important, as well as that sort of harmony, and not. Um, not wanting to feel like you're being sort of sold to all the time in, in, the, in the aesthetic of the brand. It has been, has been being very global in its look and feel. So you almost can't place where the brand is from. Some people say to us, aren't you that Australian brand? Or aren't you that American brand? Um, and maybe for the, our team in America, people say, aren't you that British brand? I don't know. But um, that's very intentional. We didn't want it to feel like it's a really overtly British brand sort of design or really overtly american design um and that really it could be placed on any shelf or in any cupboard anywhere around the world that, that's been really intentional for us
0: that's really interesting because that addresses my second question which was going to be about how have you had to adapt your brand approach and your pack design to cater for consumers in different markets because you're now congratulations selling in around 23 countries around the globe aren't you yeah uh, um so that sounds like very little is needed to change
1: well, I did a check this morning. I think we're in we're in about twenty seven countries Whoa.
0: Right, countries. Since we spoke a couple of weeks ago, that's yes. amazing. So. <laughs>
1: so um and really it comes from all corners as well. So I know that we're really popular in Jamaica, for instance. We we're in a lot of the supermarkets there. Um we've got a really great business in the Czech Republic, but our main our main markets are the UK, Australia and the US and then sort of very closely followed by Japan and Canada. So uh, some diverse markets in there. Um, of course, there's all the legal stuff when it comes to pack design of being legally yeah. compliant and, and having um, la- the different languages that are, are needed for some of the countries we're, we're sold in on the nutritional panel at the back. That can make it feel a little bit um, functional when you see lots of the same word but kind of written in different languages. And um, that's something we've tried to address. Um, but really, I think the front of pack and the design is, is as I said, sort of um, intentionally almost nondescript. And and you know, there's lots of room there for self interpretation, and you can kind of make what you want of the the brand. It's not to everyone's taste, um, and you know. Um, you know, I sit on the sales side, so I, I hear feedback from buyers when I first show them the products and, and they see it. And some buyers like to think they're art critics. Um, <laughs> some uh, just want to see the hard data, you know, how well does it sell? What's it going to do for my stores? Um, uh, and others are a bit confused by it. But I think I think there's something quite charming in that, that, um, that it is very different. And you know, I get very excited when I walk down a supermarket aisle and I, I think the standout is really excellent because we're in a very, very proliferated kind of crowded space where there's lots of kind of stock imagery of, uh, you know, uh, soy or oats. And then there's a stock imagery of kind of flat white cups with latte art on and very kind of bold boxy um font overlaid over the top and and so we do look very different in that space and we do have real cut through i think um
0: i I think um in terms as a oat milk user is that the term yeah i mean i use oat milks um more than anything else and i think what i appreciate about the brands operating in that space is that they haven't stuck to the same i mean a bit different for private label but they haven't stuck to the category norms so thinking about one of the main oat milks around and just how much type is on that pack and that's how it differentiates itself whereas looking at your pack there's really only those two words which is your brand name on the front of pack um and i just love that uh it doesn't feel like i'm looking at a shelf of the same stuff it feels like there really is a division and it's easy to identify the brand that is um you most identify with yeah yeah so in terms of the the brand name itself have you had to change that pack it any in any country around the world i know you were saying you're in some non-english speaking countries or have you stuck tight to using the um oh my goodness i've forgotten the word what are we roman scripts oh dear
1: yeah the 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 the, the whole brand lock up is kind of the same everywhere you go Yeah. so um so penny on the oat milk penny Penny the character sort of drinking her, her cup of coffee. Um, uh, the, the stretched out Arial font um, logo and then just the very simple two colorways on the pack um, is the same everywhere. Uh, the, this, everyone always asks me two questions. One is, um, what's the thing about ducks? Why is there a duck on every pack? And the, the other is, what's the, the brand name all about, Minor Figures? um i don't have a proper answer to to both of those questions unfortunately there's a lot of mystery and uh and um uh, intrigue around around uh, both of those and every time i ask uh the founders i get a different story so (laughs) uh, maybe that's intentional but i think you know minor figures is a biggie lyric um
0: really i haven't even spotted that
1: it is and uh the way I sort of interpret the, the the brand name is actually that because we call ourselves a coffee business and we've really built our foundation working with coffee shops across the globe, we have a lot of appreciation of that community and we know that um, to run to open a coffee shop is, is really hard work. Um, very few people get rich out of doing that. Um, it's it's really a bit of a calling and it's about a sort of passion for coffee. And we think that if you go through sourcing coffee, growing coffee, drying coffee, shipping it, roasting it, Q-grading it, making sure it's up to the scratch, then buying it for your coffee shop, which probably looks pretty beautiful and is a very well-considered space, to then just chuck something in your cup which kind of uh masks the flavor of that amazing coffee or dulls the flavor of that or alters the experience around that that um that that drinking of coffee would be a disservice so in Mm. that whole process we we see ourselves as the kind of minor figure we're we're in the background it's about putting the coffee first and heightening the experience and complementing the coffee
0: Mm. um yeah I'm so thinking, fever. What Fever Tree did for gin a few years yeah, ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's really similar. And then in terms of the duck, yeah, if you look out, there there is a duck featured on all of the designs, on all of the packs, in all of the characters. Um, <laughs> I, I will do more research as to why, but um, it's there if you, if you look closely. Do you
0: know what that reminds me of? I don't know if you ever read Usborne kids books when you were younger, but there was this um, feature, which was, every you know, for kids who couldn't yet read and weren't as engaged in the reading out aloud to them, there was a duck hidden on every page. Um, and yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got two and a half year old, so I'm going through them all again now. And it just <laughs> it makes me smile because it just reminds me of that uh, too. Yeah. So um okay thank you so much for your input on that and I wasn't actually going to ask why there are so many ducks um or what the name minor figures means because I think I love what you said before that it's open to interpretation based on mm-hmm. you know you looking at it and I love that there's that kind of mystique in an age where I feel like we're over explained to by brands uh yeah. about you know who they are <laughs> why they exist and why they're right for us um so one of the, the next things I wanted to ask was about your team because as you just mentioned you know you're now in 27, you said, countries yeah. around the globe at the last count. And of course, that means your team's growing fast. When you joined in October 2019, I know you said you were around 40 people and now you're well on the way to 100. How has your approach changed to instilling your brand values and remaining on brand? Um, and how has it adapted to such fast team growth? Like how do you keep that in control internally?
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been different. I didn't want to say the word hard. It's been different, um, in the times of COVID particularly because, um, you know, maybe, maybe 25% of the workforce have joined in lockdowns. and mm, Wow. We've, um, we've not met actually a lot of the team, uh, you know, personally face to face, uh, only, only really um, gone through the, the sort of hiring process and the onboarding, um, virtually like we're talking now. Um, and I think that always means for a different dynamic and, and look, it's always better to, to do an induction and interview stages in person. And, you know, I, I, think it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's changed the landscape and the way of working fundamentally. But one thing that I feel really fortunate about, we, we spoke to just before about, um, about various kind of working startups and and sort of fast growing, fast moving environments. Um, Team is kind of everything. And I think um, at Mind Figures, I feel very fortunate. We have have a really eclectic team, firstly. Um, We have our three offices around around the world. So the UK, um, out in the US and in Australia as well. And we've got some really wonderful characters and everyone is kind of very different. You know, I started my career at Mars where there was uh, a very certain type of person that worked at Mars and everyone kind of dressed the same in grey suits and kind of looked the same and uh, used the same terminology and language and three letter acronyms. Uh, and um, Cringing. yeah when you when you get that very insular inward looking culture like that where everybody is the same um you know i think it really stifles creativity and it stifles innovation and i think that a lot of minor figures um you know innovation comes because of our flat structure it can kind of come from anyone you know, so we have uh, we have a really great team of um, territory development managers or other people might know that term as field sales executives uh, spread across the UK. And um, that's not the most senior role in our business, but, you know, some of those folks have come up with some of the best ideas in our business. So um, that's kind of what I really love about the team. It's nurse and it's, um, it, it's very different. Um, the because of the flat structure, I guess there's no kind of very clearly defined culture. There's no sort of brand book. There is an employee handbook, of course, for sort of HR matters and what the process is if you if you need uh need to book some annual leave or, or whatever. Um but yeah much like the brand's output of it, it it being very open to self-interpretation in in internally that's the case as well. So you know um, we're our, our London office is in Walthamstow. It's kind of East London. Uh, we're next to some really great businesses and breweries and uh, other startups. And it feels like a really energetic and exciting place to be at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah it, it, tough in the times of COVID, but, um, but exciting as we're growing and adding to the team that it, it's very eclectic and very outward looking and, and, and really, um, yeah internally very open self-interpretation.
0: I think um it it pleases me so much to hear that um you know embracing people's eclecticness and not asking them to conform to a certain way of being um is actually you know stimulating your growth as a company through innovative ideas and you know Mm. just that that sense that people are able to share regardless of what level within the business they're at because of that structure as you've mentioned because I think one of the things that is well known within the FMCG world is that when a few years ago when innovation became the real buzzword, the biggest mm-hmm. companies were like, we need to do innovation. We need, we need to do that. Let's create a department to deal with that. But the reality is some of those bigger companies that have that very kind of conformist attitude really then struggled to innovate. They were perhaps innovating less than they were before it had a, a name around um, the title for that department. And then they ended up outsourcing quite a lot of it. So yeah. brilliant to hear that that is working so well for you guys, just because you, or, you know, not just because it's like the huge, it's the hugest part of your business around the sounds of things, and the yeah. fact that you promote that collectiveness and that, um, the fact that everybody, um, interprets life and their attitude towards, um, their passion differently. And yeah, so brilliant to know that that's working for you guys.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, um, one of the really great, um, sort of brands I, I was fortunate to, to work um, at was, was Bear, the kids' fruit snack. Mm-hmm. Brand. And um, our approach to hiring there was was really um, what I would call quite safe. So it felt very similar to sort of Mars in that sense that we would have a very clear sort of uh, list of the sort of people we wanted to hire. They had to have a first class degree. They, they had to have had X number of years experience in FMCG, CPG. Uh, they had to have worked on these accounts and those accounts. and. Um, had run an out-of-home marketing campaign and etc. Um, when I joined Minor Figures, it was really interesting. You know, I was one of the first people in the team to have actually come from an FMCG background. Uh, we, we we were a kind of collection of musicians and um, painters and map makers. Uh, really, I'm not exaggerating. Uh <laughs> baristas etc etc so i think the fact that that, you know the team is it's got this kind of really widespread um set of experiences life experiences and career experiences from not a traditional kind of arena that that most fmcg brands would hire within has has been really to our benefit and really interesting it it does make work christmas parties and discussions around the (laughs) Around the uh, kitchen table, really interesting. I've got to say, but yeah, that, that approach has been really fascinating. And um, I, I guess I was brought into the team to to help the UK roll out into retail, which to up to that point we hadn't actually done. We'd really just uh, been selling through coffee shops um, in the UK. So that that's our real approach. When we when we launch a new market, we would we will almost ignore retail. And we will go straight for the, the coffee shops and the coffee roasters that we kind of, we understand to be the best ones in that city or that town or that country. And we'll really anchor our sort of um, our uh, sales there first and build out our um, our presence through the coffee shops, through the baristas. The barista community are really important. We have a big reward program. You know, we like to make T-shirts and um so much and, merch yeah so much we've seen merch. Them so. <laughs> Yeah, and we like to give that to, to those folks uh and, and and really build the brand pretty word of mouth first and then and then take retail from there so so the team hasn't needed to have had a background in fmcg and working with tesco and have a first class degree actually that hasn't really mattered at all and mm-hmm. um, and i think hopefully probably in the workspace we are we are moving away from that and and certain levels of unconscious bias and towards a place where we hire people based on merit and personality and whatever other traits the business needs.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, as you were talking through that, it just struck me. That's something I didn't mention before was that it's fascinating to me when you launch into a new market. And, you know, when you launch the business at the very start, the focus was on winning over the baristas. And I know, you know, my local coffee shops, um, that i really appreciate big into coffee um, they're so proud to showcase your packaging on the shelf what's fascinating to me is that obviously you've created the packaging in a way that is aesthetically pleasing and intriguing and so that they're willing to put it out on display but then also kind of like this um, stubbornness that i love to then adapt that for uh, the b2b market when you're trying to sell into uh, buyers at major multiples or you know other retailers and then you know equally their consumer their customers who are us the consumer going into the supermarket buying or mini market or whatever going to buy that product um but that the because you started with those baristas who are willing to showcase that product behind um their counter we're already familiar with that brand and there hasn't been a need yeah. to adapt it when you've moved into those different channels that wasn't yeah. really a question more just a, a realization on my part
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i think you hit the nail on the head there and and we we have been pretty stubborn and and you, you know as uh, to give some of the listeners who are kind of agency side um some insight you know uh, as a sales team, you know, I, I remember when I first kind of got into in got started first few weeks in the business and I sort of pre- used some of my contacts and presented straight away to some of the big grocers. And they all said, you know, what's this? I don't like I don't like the design. I don't get it. Um, and really the, the approach when we sell into retail is about is about telling that story of look, you know, Okay, you, you've got an opinion that's valid. We hear you Mr. or Mrs. buyer. That's fine, but um, your customers love it. you know we're in one po- we, we feature in 1.3 1.4 million flat whites every week in the UK through coffee shops. Those people love our product. They go back week after week to buy it from from their local coffee shop. So you know if if the sales cycle then stops, when they do their weekly shop in the evening or online or you know da- down at the sort of local convenience store, you're missing sales, and um, it you know it's it's taken really building case studies to um, to get there, and we, we were really fortunate to be backed by Morrison's and Waitrose um, in the last year, um, who've got that, who who get that, who who understand that you know that the biggest USP in dairy alternatives is 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 you know. Does this product work in a hot drink? That's really important to the consumer. So, we've been able to tell that story. But the, the as a salesperson, the sort of easy route would be to sort of ask the designers to totally redesign the brand and you know make it more obvious and more I hate to use the word salesy and uh, tick the know, boxes, <laughs> tick the boxes and do the obvious. Uh, but but we've been you know there's been a real exercise in self-restraint in the business around that and really trying to preserve what's really special about the brand and keep it intact so so far to date that's worked
0: and it's brilliant to hear you as the commercial director um you know respecting that and rolling with it rather than trying to fight the change (laughs)
1: yeah um and I think probably you know in past businesses when I was younger I would have been really adamant that you know we've got to change it we've got to do this you know the buyers have fed this back but you know buyers come and go they 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 tend to stay in a role for sort of nine to 18 months um lots of them aren't actually category experts over what they're buying some are some are super passionate about it but you know ultimately the buyer of i don't know toilet rolls or something might might not be passionate on mm-hmm. on their category uh, understandably and so you know Because buyers come and go, I think really standing firm and entrenching your position is pretty important when it comes to sort of the aesthetic and the design.
0: Absolutely. Um, So I was gonna quickly ask you about something, a new concept, or at least it's new to me. I haven't seen many of them around. I really love the refill stations that you started using and the old school glass milk bottles that you offer to customers via, you know, the merch part of your website. And I guess in those stores that feature a refill station. Um, do you see this as a primary area of growth moving forwards rather than packaged goods? And who initiated this idea? I, I originally put down in-house or agency, but I'm understanding now it was most
1: likely to be in-house. It was in-house. Um, it it was, um, it, it was one of the folks actually in the sales team who, who, uh, who kind of heads up our sort of coffee side of our business. So we're dealing with the coffee shops. Um, it's, Uh, It's it's been a kind of in beta mode. We've been testing it for months and months uh, before we properly announced it with a couple of London package free stores. Um, I think, you know, back to what we said earlier on in the conversation around being carbon neutral and sustainability being very important sort of on a personal level and a business level. we are really conscious that although lots of local authorities will recycle a tetra pack carton, the sort of carton, you might get your orange juice in. um, Lots don't recycle it. And actually it's very complex to, to process um, that as a, as a piece of um, material. So that's something we're quite uncomfortable about, but we know that convenience is important to shoppers and we know that, um, you know, uh, the sort of touch points of of products being readily available is 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 also really important so unfortunately we have to continue to play in that space with our with our current carton with penny on the front Um, but we wanted to look at how we could sort of innovate around that and this just felt kind of obvious for us Um, in australia particularly and in new zealand um sort of milk on tap particularly in coffee shops is is a really really widespread it's not it's not Probably come here yet. There's a brand doing it called Juggler, which is pretty widespread um, out there. Um, and so, yeah, we we sort of looked at what we could do and where we could place this. And, and package-free stores, there's there's a couple of hundred in the UK now. They seem seem to be really really popular. Uh, a couple came to us uh, as we were sort of noodling through this concept. And, um, and we, started, um, we started testing in September. So it's basically, it's um, a big, ugly albatross of a white sort of fridge. With, it's called a Purgle. Um, and uh, within, within that, it has a door. You open the door on the front and then you slot in our, our, um, our box of oat milk. Uh, and then customers can go up with any, any sort of bottle they have um, and f- fill up. Um, fill your own bring your own kind of concept uh, and then they're charged in those stores by weight or by volume uh, so yeah we've got um we've got 91 stations now around wow. the UK which is um, growing really fast we've got a big waiting list actually and um, believe we've saved we've saved about 30 tetra packs today um, from entering um, the supply chain it's very, it's a it's a fun experience as well. Kind of filling up your own bottle. It's kind of a bit unexpected um, because a lot of these stores tend to sell dry goods like sort of spices and beans and
0: flour. And beans. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so it's quite fun um, as well. And it it's as a salesperson, it's it's a it's a great immovable piece of point of sale with our brand name and our logo on it, which is um, is is great the feedback from customers has been really brilliant as well so it's how we kind of take that to the next level and um we've got some more rollouts coming and i know that some of the some of the major supermarkets in the uk are are, um are already exploring sort of package free aisles and they're sort of dipping their toe in the water cautiously so yeah hopefully we may be able to sort of bring this format to to those um to those stores as well in the future but but yeah, it's really exciting for us. It's the first, we, we're the first brand to do it in, in, um, plant-based dairy alternative. Yeah. Yeah. That, that innovation is important. So yeah, in January, we, we brought out the world's first, um, semi-skimmed barista oat milk. And then sort of the year before that, we brought out the world's first organic barista skim uh, barista oat milk as well. So yeah, kind of, we're we're sort of small enough and agile enough and daring enough to kind of give stuff a go and um and, and bring stuff to market pretty quick so yeah well,
0: for for what it's worth i shifted to back to a milkman um yeah. last year when i moved into an area where it was available i wasn't i was previously in hackney where it wasn't and uh I love the experience and Mm. I love that I'm not chucking more tetra packs away or you know big plastic cartons or whatever and I noticed that recently I can't remember another milk uh, alternative uh, brand we're working with milk and more I think which I think is the Dairy Crest part of the Dairy Crest portfolio and I was just thinking oh man I really wish that an alternative milk would start working with my local milkman I know that the um, challenges around that when it comes to what's normally available as an ambient product to the consumer and then available as a you know personal refill station which i assume is something that needs to go directly into the fridge if you've refilled it yourself in store and it's not been hy- hygienically sealed in a normal environment right. um how that works with uh <laughs> the milkman but um yeah if you do that for next year's piece of innovation i'll be thrilled
1: <laughs> yeah there's there's some really great um new brands in in that space actually Oto, i think is the one you're you're referring to might
0: your- be it yeah i can't quite yeah. remember
1: so that's really great it's it as you say it's a sort of shorter shelf life. I think it's it's kind of a week or so I don't know um but it, it's it's something around that sort of um time and uh yeah it's just a lovely experience it feels really nostalgic to get something in a glass bottle oh, and um, so
0: does yeah it's so right. pleasing
1: and, okay um, sorry I, I would say we 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 sort of take quite quite a, a lot of it our art certainly I do inspiration from sort of method and ecover in the way that they've They've actually really disrupted what's quite a boring aisle in sort of the home aisle with detergents and stuff, and they they've they're using sort of ocean plastic um, within their within their packaging. So, yeah, I think packaging is a really exciting um, space and opportunity to uh, to innovate, but also to you know it's 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 it it's the best kind of piece of marketing because it's it's in the consumer's hand or cupboard or fridge, and it's, it can have your brand all over it.
0: Yeah, for many the the pack is complete, and the the pack and the product are completely interchangeable. Um, they can't imagine one without the other. I think they, An old boss of mine famously said within our agency, you know, when somebody thinks of Heinz tomato ketchup, it's not the ketchup itself; it's the the bottle with the keystone shape and the whole lockup, and you know that's what tomato ketchup is to the consumer. Um, so, completely agree. Packaging is a a huge opportunity um, to help consumers better connect with your brand, of course, and really just try and push forward those um, things that you'd like to be identified with. So um, a couple of questions that I ask everybody before we finish off, because I don't want to keep you any longer. What's your favourite favorite business book or just business resource? Because a few people have backlashed against this recently and don't want to commit
1: to a book. Um well you know i at university I, I i saw i studied um economics and politics and i kind of i'm I've, I've always been fascinated in how um something it's a super dry subject but how how something like a political party can rebrand itself and change perceptions and how they they use a lot of the same techniques that that brands like us use of you know whether it's consumer polling it's social media it's out of home advertising it's you know, it's logo development and redevelopment and redevelopment and redevelopment. So I've, I've, I've always been really in, interested in sort of brands and communication, even though I am a salesman by accident. Um, so I've read a, a huge amount on that subject, which is super, super dry. Um, a lot of it's behind me right now on my book. <laughs> um, but then in, into the maybe more obvious space, and you might get this a lot, is... um I've always, I've always kind of since I read it, loved Ryan Holiday's book on um, uh, uh, on the Stoics, um, the Daily Stoic. I find really, um, really inspirational, and I think there's there's a lot in there which is um, really useful, sort of especially as a startup. Um, uh, so probably most most of his books. Um, oh, how
0: interesting! That hasn't come up before. Um, it, and oh, actually okay. no and actually i've spotted a couple of friends have been reading the daily stoic recently so i'm going to um put it on my list
1: <laughs> yeah, i think it, it, it there's a lot in there about resilience there's a lot in there about communication and he sort of pulls pulls out some of the teachings of the stoics and sort mm-hmm. of you know reflects it onto modern day life and how brands operate and businesses and politicians and mm-hmm. leaders and managers so yeah i always kind of um I must be one of his best customers because I always when somebody new joins our sales team, I always give him one of his <laughs> um particularly around resilience because you often feel like you're sort of, you know, you're just hitting your head against the wall, trying to trying to get in touch with a buyer or a shop or a mm-hmm. shop, I'm never hearing anything back. And it's for me really about thinking up creative ways to sort of uh do things differently and overcome those uh those no's or all the silent treatment. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Really As a um, sales and new business person in a different vertical, I can completely appreciate that and yet still feel passionate about it, which is weird. Um, but also that book sounds like one I probably should have read last year rather than this mm. year. it could have done with some more tips on resilience then I think. Um, and then finally, who should get in contact with you and when? Um, I don't want to be bombarded by agencies right now. You've got a good setup in house, but is there anybody else you'd um, love to hear from?
1: Yeah, so we we do do a lot of things in house, but you know, of course, we um, we we go to agencies to work on things like point of sale, and we've we've just done our second out of home campaign. We work directly with some of the media suppliers in that sense, but we also uh, worked with agencies as well. Um, Online and uh, and kind of our e-com platforms since since COVID have become a really important channel for us, and again, advertising through those is is become really important to us. But um, probably like most of your guests, I I love seeing new stuff, new work, and um, I'm really interested to understand, um, yeah, what new stuff is coming through and what new stuff is out there. So. Although, you know, I am a sales guy, I do hate being sold to, but if you want to strike up a conversation, I'm all ears and I'd love to sort of hear from you. So LinkedIn is probably the best way of getting in touch. Um, and the the other ways, you know, through our website, there's a, there's a general inbox stuff will filter through to me pretty quickly. And also um, a lot of people seem to just Instagram message us, which is cool as well. So loads of ways to speak to us. Um, we're a really friendly bunch. We are super busy, but we will always get back to you and we love to hear about new stuff.
0: Great. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for all your time today, Ben. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know you're extremely busy. Um, so, it, yeah, it means a lot that you've taken the time to come on here and talk us through what's going on for you guys at Minor Figures. Thanks very much.
1: Thanks very much. Cheers.
0: Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where Lead Flow Sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process, bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's e-n dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra.